You're listening to a podcast from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Pastor Joe Sulit reminds us that we can receive the rest of God in faith by grace. Hello, good morning everyone. Welcome to church. I'm Joe. I'm one of your leaders here. We're Every Nation Canberra. We exist under God and make disciples. Last week, we just concluded our Amazing Grace series, and we talked about the promise of God's rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, we are told that the promise of God's rest can be experienced if you remain faithful to Him and obedient to His Word. Today, we are starting a new two-part series, which we will call Unrest. So before we start, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we can come together again as a church family to celebrate your faithfulness in our lives and to worship you with all our hearts. Lord, I pray that your word today will not just be for us to hear, but it will be a word in us and a word through us, that it may be real in our lives and that it may transform us so that we can bear fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, many of us are restless, right? Not necessarily because there are so many things going around us, but simply because there are so many things going on here and so many things going on in our hearts. Can you look at the person beside you, smile at that person and ask him, are you okay? Are you okay? You see, that smile, that nod, that I'm okay, that can be very, very deceiving. Why? Because every person in this room is fighting a battle that we know nothing of. Some have their own insecurities to face, emotions and feelings that they have to process and contend to. There are a thousand more things in our minds that make us feel anxious and restless. I'm okay doesn't always mean that they are. Today, as we discuss about unrest, I just want to talk about stress and anxiety because I think that this is something that many of us just brush aside. Something that we say it's part of life, we just have to live with it, and we just have to endure it. And this feeling, this is not imagined. It's very real for those who are actually undergoing stress or emotional turmoil. I also honestly believe for someone who believes in Jesus, it's not just as easy as hearing someone say, you just have to pray, you just have to have more faith, you just have to trust Jesus. Yes, this is the right thing to do. But remember, we need to acknowledge that this feeling is very real to the person experiencing it. And we need to try to understand what the person is feeling before we even attempt to solve it. The statistics about suicide, about anxiety and depression is quite significant. According to Beyond Blue, eight people in Australia commit, take their lives every single day, six of whom are men. There are about one million people in Australia, as of the latest statistics, who are living with depression. 
And there are two million people who are living in anxiety. Anxiety is very real. And for people with some sort of an anxiety disorder, they just worry a lot about so many things. And even if they know that it's not helpful, they cannot do anything about it because they just can't stop worrying. So the question is, what are you anxious about? You know, anxiety manifests itself in many different ways. You're distressed, you're uneasy, you're fidgety, you're agitated, you're apprehensive, you're restless, you're nervous. All those sorts of feelings come in play. Fear can be a symptom of anxiety, but fear could also be the cause of anxiety. Fear and anxiety are two different things, but they are interrelated. According to Dr. Archibald Hart, a Christian psychologist, he said the difference between fear and anxiety is that fear is usually caused by tangible objects or threats. If you're afraid of insects or you're afraid of heights, that's very real, that's tangible, you can see it. But he said anxiety is more vague yet more pervasive. You don't even know that the person sitting beside you is anxious about a lot of things. Studies show that anxiety is the new depression. It's vague because you know that you feel something, but you cannot pinpoint that feeling, and you cannot understand why you feel that way. That is anxiety. He said it's mostly directed towards imagined or unrealized objects or conditions. A lot of what you are anxious about is just in your head, most of the time. Just imagined conclusions. For example, you didn't hear from a friend for a day, and you start thinking, maybe he doesn't want me to be his friend anymore, right? He didn't respond to your message, and maybe you say, he doesn't like me anymore. He doesn't respond to my messages. People look at you differently and you say, maybe they don't like me, or maybe there's something wrong with me. See, anxiety is silent. Why? You wouldn't even notice it on the outside. People you meet every day with smiling faces and radiant glows, you do not know that they're fighting a battle that they're barely winning. But you would notice it when they start responding to situations around them. Anxiety takes you in circles. It starts when you overthink or worry about a situation too much, only to find out that there's nothing much you can do about it. So you end up worrying about the situation or that circumstance over and over again. It takes you to circles because we always think that we have to figure things out by ourselves, right? We need to find a solution for this. I have to do something about it. It's always about us making the solution to whatever problem we have. You start asking yourself over and over again, why? But you cannot find definitive answers. So you go back to where you started with even more questions than answers. And you end up being anxious about it again. Today we will look at the Bible and what it says about anxiety as we try to unpack just two verses from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Verse 6 
goes straight to the point. It says, do not be anxious. It does not say, try not to be anxious. It does not recommend avoid being anxious. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. Do not, whatever it is that you're worrying about right now, I don't know what it is, the command is do not be anxious. You'd probably say, I don't worry about the little stuff. I just worry about, you know, the big stuff. Money, mortgage, and all those bills that I have to pay. But the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. And when it says anything, it's anything. Whether it's about today or tomorrow, whether it's small or it's big, the Bible tells us not to worry about anything. We are all in different seasons in our lives. My drama in life is different from your drama in life. What the person beside you is going through is different with what you're going through. We all are fighting our battles, and we're all fighting them from different situations. My situation is different from your situation. But regardless of this, the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Every means this is not restrictive. The Bible is saying, in all situations, do not be anxious. In every circumstance, in every problem, in every crying moment, in every challenge, in every depression, in every situation where you cannot bear things anymore, we are asked to do two things. Paul says, pray and ask. It says by prayer and petition. The word petition here is very interesting. A prayer of petition is a request made to God for Him to provide something that we need or something that we desire. When you petition God, you humbly acknowledge that you need Him and that you are dependent on Him. You see, when you make a petition, you recognize a higher authority, right? You petition someone higher than where you are. When you make a petition to God, it means you believe that He is able to answer your problem and save you from your situation according to His will. You know, I remember reading a book that my mom had when I was a young boy. It's called The Cure for Worry. And the theme of the book is this. The cure for worry is a heart of thankfulness, a heart of gratitude. It's interesting that when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, he stressed a very important part of prayer that all of us, we all pray, right? There's this important part of prayer that all of us miss a lot of times. Because when we pray, we're too busy trying to make sure that we tell God everything that we need and not miss out on anything. You see, Paul said, with thanksgiving, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything and in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, it means we need to pray from a posture of gratitude. Why? Why do we need to express a heart of gratitude? First, we need to thank God 
for He enables us to endure our trials. We still thank Him even in the situation that we are not thankful for. We still thank God even if we do not feel thankful for the circumstance that we are in. The Bible is telling us we can grieve and still be thankful. We can be hurting inside and still be thankful. You can be crying over something or someone and still be thankful. This is what the Bible calls the sacrifice of praise. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, The fruit of lips, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Regardless of what your situation is, you still praise and acknowledge God for that. When we give thanks to God in every situation, we set our hearts right in a relationship with Him that will allow us to experience His promises to us. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we need to what? We need to present our request to Him. In other versions, make known to God what you need. Be specific with your prayers. Don't hold anything back and tell Him exactly what you need and what you want Him to do in your life, not in a demanding or an entitled manner. What we see here, the picture of presenting your request. What I see is a, is a beautiful picture of a humble servant petitioning with all humility in prayer, asking God with gratitude, kneeling down and presenting his request to his master. You see, when, when we present something to God, there is an act of letting go. There is an act of giving. This gesture, this gesture of handing over is you telling God, Lord, take care of this. Lord, let your will be done in my dire situation. This is an act of submission to the will of God in your circumstance. You trust Him because you know in your heart that everything that happens in your life will be for your good if you love God and you are called to His purpose. And you know why this is exciting? In all the things that you worry about, in all the things that make you anxious, in all the things or the people that make you stressed, we only need to do four things. We need to pray. We need to petition God, ask God in faith. We need to be thankful in spite of our situation. And we need to submit everything that we feel to the will of God. This is the Christian way to deal with anxiety. Pray, ask in faith, with thanksgiving and submission to the will of God. You know, we just need to let go and let God take care of our situation. Most of the time, we want to be in control. Our worry doesn't actually come from thinking about the situation. You know why you're worried? Because you want to control the outcome of that situation. You want to be in control of the situation. You're anxious because you want people to think and behave according to your expectations. You're anxious because you want things to end up the way you want them to. Most of the time, they don't. But the thing is, worrying will never change the outcome of your problem. In fact, 
chances are 90% of the things that you worry about don't really happen. When you got your first home, you were worried about paying for mortgage. You're still in your home. You still own the home, and you're still living in it, right? Remember, what worries you, keep this in mind, what worries you masters you. How did I apply this to my own situation? I'm finally having my prostate operation Tuesday, right? This is at Calvary Hospital. This is the first time that I'll be uh, having a surgery, being admitted in a hospital for four days. I haven't been admitted in my entire 53 years of existence, except, of course, for some stitches when I cut myself. But other than that, I haven't been admitted to, to the hospital. Am I anxious about it? Honestly, I'm not. Why? Do I have any control of the outcome of my operation? No. Does the doctor who will perform the procedure have any control of what he will find out when he inspects my bladder and my prostate? Do I have any control of the outcome of the biopsy of the tissue that they will get from my prostate and bladder if it's cancerous or benign? No. So the question is, is it really worth your energy worrying about the things that you cannot control? Most of the things you worry about, you are not in control of it. Is it worth your energy worrying about that? Jesus, during his Sermon on the Mount, he said, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your lifespan? Do you think worrying will make you live longer? No. Jesus said, it cannot even add a single minute, an hour to your lifespan. Why do you need to worry? As we read further into God's Word today, we again read of a promise just last week. After praying, after thanking God and presenting everything to Him in submission to His will, there comes a promise. And when you pray, the promise is not a sure yes to what you're asking for. God will always not, always not say yes to what you want and what you need. But what He will give you is better than a yes. Because what He gives us when we reach out for Him in the midst of our dire situation is peace. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. First, it's the kind of peace that you cannot explain. That even in the midst of bush, the bushfires, even in the midst of the coronavirus and the pending war among nations, even in the midst of your medical condition or your health or the issues in your relationships and problems in your life, there is peace. There's this calming presence that you have in your heart. There's this calming presence of God in your life. And this peace is not something that you will get out of a two-week vacation in Japan or probably uh, your binge on Netflix, watching an entire series for three days, or your binge on your comfort food. No. The Bible says it's a peace that transcends, that passes all understanding. And why is God giving you this peace? God is giving you this peace so... Your hearts and your minds will be 
guarded in Christ Jesus. You know, I just realized the reason why we're anxious about so many things, the reason why we feel uncomfortable with people, the reason why we don't like people is because God is still building our character by guarding our hearts and our minds on these matters. If there's someone who annoys you, it means that you haven't learned your lesson well yet because probably God is teaching you to be more forgiving and more understanding. Maybe God is teaching you to be more content. Maybe He wants you to be more understanding and less irritable to your spouse. Who among you have spouses who are very irritable, who just taps in the, in the flick of a finger, right? Maybe He wants you to be kinder to the people around you. Maybe He wants you to love your in-laws more. It's always an issue, right? I believe every situation that we face, God uses them to teach us to be more like Jesus. Last week, we learned of the promise of rest that is experienced by those who put their faith and trust and obey Christ. Today, we are given the promise of peace when we pray, when we ask, and we present to Him our concerns. Today, two seemingly simple yet powerful verses that has the power to change our lives and the way we see the challenges that we face. We are given the promise of peace today when we seek God in prayer, when we ask Him in faith, when we are thankful, and when we present our situation in submission to His will. My prayer is that these two verses will not just be verses that you have read or heard in some preaching. My prayer is that it will become a powerful presence of God's words in your life that will make you experience His peace in a completely life-transforming manner. I would like to end this by sharing a beautiful story about a king who offered the prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. They all painted quiet and calming sceneries. Pictures that would make you say, I want to be there. That's the place I want to be. I want to go there. The king looked at all the pictures. And it came down to just one. The mountains were rugged and bare. Above was an angry sky from which rain fell and lightning played. Down the side of the mountain tumbled the foaming waterfall. And behind the waterfall, a tiny bush grew in the crack of a rock. In the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. There, in the midst of the rush of angry water, sat the mother bird on her nest in perfect peace. He was asked, why this painting? You know what he said? He said, Peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, where there is no trouble, 
where there is no worry or hard work. He said, peace means to be in the midst of those things and still be calm in your heart. How beautiful is that? This is the real meaning of peace. Let's all stand. You know, the picture that the king chose depicts, reflects the world we live in. Maybe your life is rugged. Maybe your life is bare. Maybe your life is angry and roaring relentlessly. Remember, your life in Christ is not freedom from the storm, but peace in the midst of the storm. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ in your life. I don't know what your struggles are. I don't know how you're faring with the battles of your life. But just like that mother bird, sitting calmly in the midst of the raging waters, my prayer is that we will experience God who is perfect in all His ways and receive His peace, the peace of God that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's continue to worship. Heavenly Father, we know that you will never leave our side. I just want to share this verse to all of you today. You might be going through some tough times in your life. I don't know what it is. In Psalm chapter 4, verse 8, it says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I hope this verse becomes alive in your heart that you can sleep that you can rest with peace the peace that is in you because of Christ because he will make you dwell in safety have a great weekend everyone we'll see you next week enjoy your time with your family have some rest and God bless you all let's give God a praise you just heard a message from every nation Canberra for more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at iancanbra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanbra.